Well, tis the season for throwing parties, isn't it? I mean, yes, I know it's Advent. I know we're all supposed to be fasting and waiting and doing some serious self-examination. But come on, let's be honest. There are a bunch of parties going on this time of year, isn't there? I've already enjoyed a Christmas party or two, and I'm sure you have as well. Yes, right smack dab in the middle of Advent. And then next week, as the rector of this church, we are throwing our annual staff Christmas party. Father Chuck, forgive me, please. But I don't know what else I'm supposed to do. Do we invite our staff over for an evening of weeping and gnashing of teeth? (laughs) Perhaps, but certainly not, certainly not. So it is a weird season. Quite a challenge to be a purist on these matters, to observe Advent without wavering. But perhaps these celebrations that creep into our penitential season can teach us something. Perhaps even in this already not yet time of Christmas, we are primed to hear and to heed a core teaching of Advent, and that is this, that there can be no celebration without first preparation. There is no celebration without preparation. I guess there could be, it'd just be kind of lame, right? If you want a good celebration, you need preparation. Imagine that you're hosting one of these Christmas parties. What must you do to prepare? You need a guest list, some sort of invitation. You have to think about the menu. What are you going to serve? Are you going to prepare the food yourself, recruit some help, or just cater the whole thing? What about dishes and napkins, drinks and ice, appetizers and desserts? Will there be gifts, door prizes, dirty Santa games? What what about the atmosphere? Who's taking care of the playlist? What about decorations and flowers, table settings? And, of course, here's a big one. The house must be cleaned, top to bottom, before any guest arrives. Floors, tabletops, bathrooms, there, there is much to be done before the festivities can begin. When it comes to throwing parties, we all know this to be true. There can be no proper celebration without extensive preparation. In fact, you could argue argue, the bigger the celebration, the more you have to prepare. Well, my friends, this is a fitting analogy for the season of Advent. For there is a celebration, a grand celebration that is coming. It's around the corner. The gift of Jesus awaits us. Not only in the upcoming season of Christmas, but for numerous moments in our lives, many of which we least expect. And so the summons of Advent is this, be prepared. Prepare yourself for the coming of the Lord. This is the message of our Old Testament reading today from Isaiah chapter 40. A chapter that marks a massive turning point in the book of Isaiah. Because until now, warnings of impeding judgment have filled the airways. Until now, Israel has been living in the land, but their faithfulness to God was waffling, to say the least. Waffling, to say the least. And so, as a result, 
There were these invading armies standing on Israel's doorsteps, poised to do them harm. But when we get to chapter 40, the tone changes completely. And it becomes apparent soon enough that their destruction has already occurred. Jerusalem, along with her temple, has been laid to waste. And now they are in exile, crying out to God for deliverance. It reminds me of the opening stanza from that Advent hymn that has seeped into the consciousness of our popular culture. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. That's where we are at the beginning of Isaiah 40. That's where we are when we hear these words of consolation that were read a moment ago. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. In other words, Israel, we see you. God sees you. He sees you in your pain, in your dispersion and desperation as you mourn in lonely exile. And so God speaks a word of comfort over their desolation. He speaks tenderly to Jerusalem. For her penalty is now paid and her pain is finally coming to an end for a celebration soon awaits them. That's right. They have been invited to a party. That's actually what we see at the end of our passage from Isaiah, beginning in verse 9. Listen to this invitation. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength and say to all the cities of Judah, here is your God. See, the Lord God comes with might and he will feed his flock like a shepherd. It's time, Israel, God is saying, to get up and come to the feast that I have prepared for you. And guess what? The party is at their house on the high mountain of Jerusalem. This is where God is going to return. Can you imagine God inviting himself over to your house for a party? This was made even more explicit back in Isaiah chapter 25, where Isaiah says, On this mountain the Lord of hosts will make a feast of rich food, and of well-aged wines. So that when God comes to restore his people, it is likened to a banquet feast. The Christmas party of all Christmas parties. But of course, the bigger the celebration, the more preparation is required. No wonder then we have that well-known Advent passage sandwiched between a word of comfort and an invitation to a party. These famous words from Isaiah 40, verse 3, stand in the middle of our passage. You've heard it before. A voice cries out, In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And there it is. There can be no celebration without first preparation. That's the theme for today, the second Sunday of Advent. Preparation 
is essential if you're going to celebrate the coming of the Lord into our world, into this church, into your family, into your very own life. Preparation is essential. It must mark your life. A few Sundays ago, we celebrated the opening of this new nave. And we gave thanks to God for giving us the opportunity to construct a space where we can gather as one family to encounter God in word and sacrament and in a way that heightens our sense of wonder and strengthens our witness in the world. Indeed, we are still celebrating, aren't we? But this celebration could have never occurred without first a lot, and I mean a lot, of preparation. I mean, we all know that, right? The preparation that was required to discern God's voice, to collaborate around a shared vision, to raise funds, form teams, hire an architect and a builder, make plans and then implement those plans week in and week out. It took lots and lots of preparation so that now there can be a celebration. How much more do you think we should prepare for the celebration that awaits us with the coming of our Lord? Many of us get the opportunity to celebrate various accomplishments we've made throughout our lives, right? Maybe a career advancement, community accolades, acad academic achievements, maybe even a championship on this athletic team or in some other activity. But none of these celebrations in our life occurred out of thin air. No, they each required a great deal of preparation, right? We all know that. How much more do you think we should prepare for the celebration that awaits us with the coming of our Lord? Of course, this raises an obvious question. How are we supposed to do this? What kind of preparation does this season of Advent call us to? What does this look like in our everyday lives? Well, to answer this question, we need to consider the first coming of Jesus which takes us to our gospel reading for today, the opening verses from the book of Mark. And lo and behold, we discover that right out of the gates, Mark is quoting our passage from Isaiah. Listen to what he says. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And so with this passage, we are introduced to one of the main characters of Advent, John the Baptist. These opening lines bring him on stage in such an abrupt fashion that it's almost startling. Here is this alarming man straight out of the desert wearing animal skins and eating insects. And his message, according to Mark, is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus, right? In fact, each of the four gospel accounts agree that there is no coming of Jesus without first John the Baptist, whose role, by the way, is nothing other than to prepare people for the coming of the Lord. He is the one who calls us to prepare, who, who tells us what this preparation should look like. And it's a preparation that can be summed up in one word, repent, right? Repent. 
The gospel message begins with the call to prepare yourself with that word, repent. Even when Jesus himself goes public, this is how he invites others into his movement, right? He says, repent, for the kingdom of God is here. Now, repent is a religious word that gets tossed around so much we might not exactly know what it means. So what does it mean, repent? Actually, I think it's probably more helpful to start with what it doesn't mean. First, it doesn't mean feeling sorry. I mean, I suppose being sorry is better than not being sorry, but that's not the meaning of repentance. Repentance isn't an emotion that you feel, it's an action that you take. And the action you take isn't just trying a little harder to do a bit more good and a little less bad. No, no, no. The action that you take is a reorientation, right? It's reordering your life toward a different goal. It means reorienting your life again and again, over and over, towards seeking first the kingdom of God. And what's more is that this act of reorienting your life is not a one-time decision. It was never meant to be. It's not something where you can say, oh yeah, I did that once when I was saved, and as if you're all done with it now. No, no, repentance is a daily taking up of your cross, a daily reordering of your life. It's a daily preparation. This is something we enter into. And let's be honest, living a life of constant preparation is not easy. Imagine getting ready for a party each and every day. It would drive you nuts, wouldn't it? Because it means admitting every day that we need a radical surgery. That we need to lay ourselves open to God's great leveling operation. Where he can lift up every valley in our hearts and make low every mountain. This is something that needs to happen all the time. It means surrendering to our most cherished strategies and defenses. Being ready at all times to relinquish our own privileges on behalf of those who are different from us. It means taking a good long look, not at all those other people who need to get their life together, not at the sorry state of our world, but at our own hearts. This is what it means to repent. This is what it means to prepare for the coming of the Lord. It's a way of, it's a way of living, it's a way of life. You know, this is why the daily office begins with confession. Do you notice that? Morning prayer, midday prayer, evening prayer, and Compline. All of them. They all begin with a call to repent. Because every day we are learning how to live a life of constant preparation. Constantly opening ourselves up to the Lord. This, by the way, is why our confession is brought forward in our Sunday liturgy during this season of Advent. To remind ourselves that repentance is the work that prepares us to encounter our Lord in word and sacrament. How much more is it the work that prepares us for the coming of the Lord in our everyday lives, right? This is why during this time we encourage one another to do some introspection, do some self-examination, because we all know that there is a gravity in our hearts and in our world that is constantly pulling us away from God and his kingdom. 
And it's a pulling away that is only countered when we repent, when we reorder, when we reorient our life to the kingdom of God time and time again. This is the work we must do day in and day out because we know that the Lord's coming is near and a celebration awaits us. And we know that there can be no celebration without first preparation. Heavenly Father, we confess